0: Stand on the outside of the gate and you look in and think, man, it'd be nice to go there. No, you can go in, not because of anything you've done or I've done, but because of what Christ did, that we can go in. You know, you read in John 14, it says, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Man, that sounds good, but I like the next verse. It says, I go to prepare a place for you. Why? Because he wants us to come in, and he paid a high price for that ticket, you know? Everything seems to be going up in price nowadays, a gallon of milk, a gallon of gas, probably even a gallon of water. I haven't bought any lately because I just don't like water, to be honest with you. I'd rather buy a two-liter, but I'm sure even that's going up. But aren't you glad? The price of heaven's been paid. It was a high price, but it's been paid and we can go in this morning. And I pray you know for sure you're going in. Uh, I believe before too terribly long, all of us who have, have had their ticket punched are going in. Uh, several lately preached funerals. And I'll preach again another one tomorrow for Brother Thatch, who has gone on in. Thank God, according to his testimony, he's saved and he's in heaven today. And uh, I tell folks a lot of times at these funerals lately, I don't think we're going to have to live without them very long. I think before long, we're all going to be going home and I hope that you can call heaven your home if you don't know that for sure today, I hope that you'll come to know that for sure before you leave here because, look, it's just too beautiful of a day not to be saved, amen? If you're waiting for just the you know, the perfect day to get saved, it's just about here today, isn't it? Beautiful spring weather. matter of fact, my wife asked me the other day, she said, the weather is so pretty, can we just put the top down on the convertible and go out and ride up and down the road? And as much as it makes me feel less like a man to drive a Volkswagen around, you know, I told her I'd do that for her. And now I know it's you motorcycle folks get out of that, you know, letting your hair blow in the wind when you're going down the road, and uh, I told my wife I could just feel them turning loose as we're going down the road. All up and down Highway 49, there's pieces of my hair, but my wife enjoyed it, and so I enjoyed it too, but I kind of get where you motorcycle people like it, you know, just kind of letting the wind blow through your hair and blow out your hair, but uh, it was all a good time, and it's just a beautiful day. It'd be a great day to get saved. You're not sure that you say, boy, it's a beautiful day. You're waiting for the right day. Today is the right day, and you better capitalize on it because the weather's going to change tomorrow. Amen? Exodus chapter 4. Exodus chapter 4. Today is our faith Promise Sunday, uh, kind of concluding our missions conference from this week. Had a great conference this week. Wonderful crowds. I appreciate the great turnout. I appreciate the great messages, getting to meet and to know new missionaries. And today is going to be the day where uh, throughout the day we've already begun uh, as we collect our faith. Promise cards, uh, our commitment cards, and our offering. We'll be doing that this morning. Uh, also, be doing it again tonight. Uh, if you haven't put yours in the offering plate yet, uh, I'll make sure we have some offering plates back at the welcome desk when we leave this morning, and then again the offering tonight. That way, we can get a, a, a total on how much we're going to give to missions this year, and know how much more we can give to our current missionaries as well as the new missionaries uh, we'd like to take on. So, I hope you've been praying about that. Looking forward to how God's going to work in that. And this morning's message is going to kind of wrap a lot of that up, Uh, even though it does have to do with our giving, I believe it really applies to so many areas of our life. So don't tune me out just because today is Faith Promise Missions. I've told the story many times, the day my wife got saved, uh, I was preaching at a youth camp on being a Christian soldier, uh, and the Lord worked in that service to convict my wife's heart that she needed to be saved, and that's where she got saved. So just because we're finishing up our missions conference emphasis this past week, uh, Uh, don't think the lord can't work in other ways all right exodus chapter 4 if you're there let's stand together Uh, I'm going to preach a simple message to you today. I think it's going to be simple. Uh, Coming from me, it can't be too too, uh, complicated because I won't be able to handle that. Exodus chapter 4, look down to verse 1. As we're picking up here, uh, as God continues to try to convince Moses of what he's calling him to do. Exodus chapter 4, the Bible says in verse 1, And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, What is in thine hand? And he said, A rod. And he said, Cast it on the ground, and he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. Every time I read that verse, I can't help but smile because that's probably what I would have done too. I hate snakes. I probably would have whacked it, tried to kill it, step on it, you know. And boy, that would have messed up things, wouldn't it? Verse 4, and the Lord said unto Moses, put forth thine hand. Stop right there. I'd have had trouble with that one too. You want me to pick it up and take it by the tail? I'd take it by the tail only after I've whacked it. And And he put forth his hand and caught it. That shows you how godly Moses was. And it became a rod in his hand. Watch verse 5, that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath appeared unto thee. Let's stop there and pray. Lord, I do thank you for the privilege to be here today, Lord, how I need to be in your house, and Lord, how I need to hear from you. Lord, I want you to work in my heart today, and I pray, Father, Lord, if you'd see fit, work in all of our hearts today. Lord, thank you for the message, and I pray you'd help us, Lord, to preach it in the way you'd have us to. Lord, I can't do this without your grace, and I pray you'd just give it to us in what we need, in the measure that we need. Help us, Father, receive it, and Lord, I pray we respond to it. And Lord, even though this message has a lot to do with our giving, Lord, help us to see our giving goes far beyond uh, what we put in the offering plate. Lord, help us to be convicted about our giving of our time, giving of our self, giving of our talent, our resources, Lord, for what you've called us to. For you'd work through the message today in a way that only you can, for I can't. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I heard a story years ago, and I may have told it here before. I'm not sure. If I did, just smile anyway. And uh, I think the Lord will use it in the message today. It was about a man who was having trouble trusting God. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful there are other people who have problems trusting God. Uh, Dr. Sis mentioned it this week, and it still blows my mind that uh, even though I have trusted Christ with my ever living soul that will live through all eternity, sometimes I have trouble trusting God with my day. I have trouble trusting God with my time. I have trouble trusting God with my money. I have trouble trusting God with my resources. I have trouble trusting God. Now a lot of it goes back to this stuff we live in right here, this flesh. This flesh has trouble trusting God. It has trust issues, does it not? Particularly when it comes to God. Why? Because we like things to be in our hands. We like to be in control. And when we trust God with something, our time, our life, our resources, uh, when we trust God with it, it's no longer in our control and we feel vulnerable, don't we? I don't know about you. I don't like feeling vulnerable. But in order to trust God more, I'm going to have to be vulnerable because only when I'm vulnerable am I trusting him to do what only he can do and things that I can't. There's another man, I heard the story years ago, he had trouble trusting God, and he wanted to see what God would do with his life if he just entrusted God to it. Uh, Proverbs three, five and six, "In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path." He said, "I want to trust God in all of my ways. I want to acknowledge Him. Why? Because I want him to direct my path." He just kept having trouble with it, and he tried to remind himself, tie a string around his finger, and he says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to put the words, uh, let God, on my door. I'm just going to put those words, let God. And As I walk out the door every day, I'm going to be reminded, let God. So he took a, a big piece of cardboard, and he cut out the letter L, the letter E, the letter T, the letter G, and the letter O, and the letter D. And he taped him up on his door. So every day he'd walk out, he was reminded, just let God. No matter what, I'm going to trust God. Just let God. And so he'd walk out his door look at, all right, I'm going to let God. He'd get down the street. Before you know it, he is just failing miserably in the areas that God wants him to trust him in. He walks out his door one morning, looks at it, says, let God. He walks through the door, gets in the hallway, and he's already begun to doubt. He goes back in the door, and he slams the door just frustrated that he can't just let God have his way in his life. When he slammed the door, the D fell off what he had put up there on the door. Instead of saying, let God, it now said, let go, let go. I'll never forget that story because it, Really is a testimony of my life And just about every day of my life I want to let God I want to let God use my time I want to let God use my life My mouth I want to let God use my resources I want to let God I want to let God I want to let God I'm saying God I want you to work in my life I want you to direct my life I want to let God But boy it's so hard sometimes isn't it Do you know why it's hard Sometimes it's hard because we won't let go and let God. We want God to invade our will. We want God to come in and take us hostage and make us do the things we're supposed to do. God, okay, here's my wallet. Just take the, the mission's offering out of it. Just take it out magically. That way I don't have to see it. And God says, no, I'm not going to work that way. God, I just want you to take control of my life and make me go out and make my hands give a gospel track out today. Make my mouth witness to somebody today. God, I want to let you. God says, you've got to let go of it. God says, if you want me to work in your life, I want to work in your life. It's not just enough to want me to do it. You've got to let me do it, and you've got to let go of what you want me to work with in your life. I've mentioned this so often lately. Boy, this quote has just been etched upon my mind. Andrew Murray, God is ready to assume full responsibility for the life that is wholly yielded to him. God is ready to assume full responsibility to the life that is wholly yielded to him. What does that mean? That means as soon as we let it go to God, and as soon as we let him have it, then God will take control over it, and God will work through it, but you can't expect God to work and what you're not willing to let go of. All throughout scripture, we see God working in people's lives only after they let go of what God wanted to work in their life with. Give an example, 1 Peter 5, 7. We know this well, but I want you to think of it in light of of this, this message today. 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Let it sink in. God, I'm carrying this burden. God, I have this problem. God, I want you to take the burden away. I have this care on my heart, this care in my life, and it's weighing me down. Ever been there? All the time. And I'm thinking, God, take it away. God, work in this. God says, let go of it. Let go of it. What did he say? Casting all your care. You know? When I cast something, like when I throw rocks at your car when you go by my house, no. When I'm Like when you roll my yard and you're casting toilet paper up in my trees, you know what you're doing? You're letting go of it. In order for it to move on, you're going to have to let go of it. Now, folks, listen to me this morning. God's ready to work in what we're ready to let go of. God can work in your crisis if you'll let go of it. God can work in your time if you'll let go of it. Listen, God can work in your money if you'll let go of it. But our problem is we're like, God, I want you to work. And God says, turn it loose. I want to work at it in your life. But no, you want to hang on to it too long. John 6, 9, the boy with the five loaves and the two fishes. God wanted to work in it. God wanted to work in it. Five loaves of bread, two fish, thousands of people, 5,000 men that are there. God wanted to work in it, but sooner or later, I don't know what the little boy had. He could have had a you know a pail. He could have had a He-Man lunchbox like I had when I was a kid, G.I. Joe lunchbox like I did when I was a kid. I don't know what his lunch was in, but it was in something. And in order for God to work in it as God wanted to work in it, he had to let go of it. And oh, did God work after he let go. Here's the point. We have to be willing to let go in order to let God. We want God to work in our time, but we won't give him any. We want God to work through our money, but we won't give him any. And yet we see here an example, in Exodus 4, a very different example. But this is what the Lord led us to preach today. We see an example in the staff that Moses has in his hand. Now, look at it, if you will. What does the Bible say? Verse 2, and the Lord said unto him, what is that in thine hand? Well, God knew what it was, but he wanted Moses to know what it was. And he said, a rod. The simple, unassuming object, practically worthless, but God wanted to use it, didn't he? God wanted to use it. Just a plain wooden stick, but God wanted to use it. As a matter of fact, not just once, but time and time again, God was going to use this rod. Now, I don't know about you, I'm glad God can use the ordinary to do the extraordinary. You think about how many times in Scripture this rod is mentioned. This plain, worthless, useless, ordinary stick, and yet God's going to use it. I'm glad God can take the ordinary and use it to do the extraordinary. Do you know why? Because I'm quite ordinary. Amen. 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 I'm glad you agree. I'm quite plain. I'm quite, quite useless. I'm quite, uh, I don't have any value, and yet I'm glad we serve a God who can take the plain, the ordinary, the useless, and the valueless and make it something valuable. But what's the key? Look what he says, verse three. And he said, cast it on the ground. Cast it on the ground. You know what God is saying? Let me have it. Let me have it. Moses, I know what you're looking at and you're thinking to yourself, this is just a stick. What are you going to do with this? You want me to go to Pharaoh with a stick? Are you kidding me? Now, come on. You're human just like Moses was. I'd be like, give me one of those javelin missiles they're firing over there in Ukraine. Maybe that. Maybe give me a tank. You know, maybe give me an A-10 warthog or something, but you want me to carry a stick? Are you kidding me? Oh, can I tell you, in God's hands, it's more than a stick. In my hand and in your hand, it's just a stick, but in God's hands, it becomes so much more than a stick. But what's verse four say, or verse three say, cast it on the ground. God says, I want it, I want it. As soon as Moses let it go, God did what only God could do. But Moses had to be willing to let it go. Now, today is Faith Promise Sunday. And folks, listen to me. Giving is not just about our finances. Giving is of our time, our self, our resources, our life. And there's some things that God could use today if we would just be willing to let them go. God, I'm going to give it to you and see what you can do with it. Now, the truth is God doesn't just call us to give of our money. God may want us to give our time and our lives to even go. But the hardest part is letting go. And God's going to show us this morning in this simple message What happens when we let go to let God? Now hear that out. You have to let go to let God. That little boy had to let go of his lunch to let God work with it. Now look, God's not going to come up here this morning and stick a gun to us with the Holy Spirit. All right, cough it up. Hey, some missionaries need to get to the field. Come on, Brother Timothy, cough it up. An extra $5 today will help another missionary buy a thousand tracks. Brother Chase, cough it up today. Holy Spirit's not going to do that. The Holy Spirit's going to burden our heart about what He wants us to do in missions. And you're going to say, what's in my hand? God, I don't have much to offer. This is all that I have. God says, in my hands, what you have to offer can do some amazing things. All throughout Scripture, we see that rod being used of God. It was there when water came out of the rock. It was there when the plagues were started in Egypt. I believe the rod of God was in Moses' hand when he stood in front of the Red Sea. doesn't say that it is, but I believe it was there. And all throughout, we see in Moses' story, the rod was there. But it all began in Exodus chapter 4 when he was willing to let it go and let God have it. I want to show you this morning what God can do when we let go. Let's jump in if we could quickly. First, notice what the Bible says in verse number 2. And the Lord said unto him, What is in thine hand? And he said, A rod. And he said, cast it on the ground, and he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses fled from before it. Now, why is God doing this? Why is God going through this trouble? To be honest with you, if I was God, I'm like, all right, forget it. I'm going to go get somebody else if you doubt me. But no, God wants to convince Moses that he's going to use him in the way that he's called him to do. Verse number one says, they will not hear me. Now, if you read through Exodus chapter 3, chapter 4, Moses is giving God so many excuses on why he can't do what God's called him to do. I mean, I see human written all over that. Do you ever try to convince an almighty, all-knowing God why he can't do through you what he's called you to do? You ever try to do that? I'm guilty of that. So God, watch this, says, Moses, I want you to throw down your staff. I want you to let it go. And I'm fixing to convince you of what I can do with you. That's number one this morning. When we let go, God convinces us. When we let go, God convinces us. Now, here's what's interesting. Moses is giving God all of these excuses. God says, give me the staff, and I'll convince you of what I can do. And oh, did God do something convincing. Now, I'll tell you this morning, I believe there's a lot of Christians here today, be included at times, and we're yet to be trusting of God to do what he's called us to do because we're not convinced that he can do it yet. You say, are you kidding? The God who created the whole world, the God who keeps our heart beating, you ever think about that? Your heart, for the most of us, has been beating every moment of your life since the day you were born. It's kind of scary, isn't it? Who keeps that thing going, you know? There's not like a little mouse in there who keeps winding up the watch. It just keeps going on its own. How does that happen? God does that. You say, could we truly doubt him? We do it every day. And yet God wants to prove himself through us. Now, how does God prove himself? He proves himself when we trust him and we see what he does with it. Now, folks, God is a very convincing God. But the reason this morning so many of us are not convinced of what God could do is we've never trusted him with anything. Oh, can I tell you, the greatest Christians in this room this morning are Christians who have been down and out, empty bank accounts, health problems, and they had to trust God with what was beyond their control, and God came through for them, and God convinced them that he was all that he ever said he was, but they had to trust him first. They had to trust him first. What did he say? Moses, here's what I want you to do. I want you to trust me. Throw the rod on the ground. Why? God wanted to convince him. You know, our most faithful givers, throughout my entire ministry, I've known faithful people who've given. I'm not talking about people who've given exorbitant amount of monies, but they were faithful. One I think about was in my dad's church, a little old lady by the name of Miss Alma. Miss Alma, she rode our church bus. We didn't have a church bus, couldn't afford a church bus, so mom and dad bought a minivan, the Dodge Caravan with the wood grain panels on it. Who ever had that idea? To put wood grain on the side of a minivan—not the coolest thing to pull up in uh, in the school with, you know—but uh, I guess it was cool back in the '90s. But had that, that van, and that was our church van. It was our van was the church van. And every morning, my Sunday morning, my sister would get up, she would drive. I think she was probably a teenager. I was a teenager. We're driving this minivan, picking up kids. I think we had 16 or 17 people in that minivan on a Sunday morning. Well, there's a little old lady we picked up by the name of Miss Alma. Miss Alma lived in seminary in this old, old, beat-up 1940s trailer. And we pick up Miss Alma. But the first of the month, we get on the bus, or get in the bus, Miss Alma would always get in the front seat, you know, older lady. We'd put her up there in that seat of honor. She'd get up there in the front seat in the minivan, and she carried this tang. You remember tang? That space Kool-Aid? The orange container, tang, you know, had a twang to it. You know, that was the off-brand, twang. I'm talking about tang, the, the name-brand stuff. She would bring this Tang container. And in that Tang container was coins, dollars, whatever else. And that was her offering. Without fail, without fail, every Sunday, or every first of the month, Sunday. She was on fixed income, Social Security. And she'd bring that little Tang container. And she would give to God her offering. She was so faithful. She never missed a lick even though she could hardly afford it. Can I tell you why she was so faithful? I think there was probably a point in Miss Alma's life where she trusted God and God convinced her that he was everything he ever said he was. And she said, you know what, I'm gonna give. If God asks for my staff, I'm gonna give him my staff. Whatever God asks me to let go of, I'm gonna let go of it. Do you know why? I'm convinced, I'm convinced. Do you know why we don't give of ourselves, our time, our resources to God? I'm afraid we're not convinced. We're not convinced. You know why we're not convinced? Because we've never trusted Him. We've never stepped out on faith to trust Him. You know, Peter found out that he could let God do what God wanted to do when he wanted to walk on the water. Now, I want you to think about it. At some point in Peter's journey out of the boat, he had to let go of the boat. Did he not? At some point, Peter's sitting on the boat, and Peter's going to get out of the boat to walk on the water to go to Christ. That takes some faith. And so Peter comes out. And look, if it's me, I'm not kidding. I put one leg out. I'm tapping the water. All right, all right, that feels good. And I'm putting the other one out, and I'm tapping. Uh, I'm feeling good. And I'm going to walk a few steps before I ever let go of the boat. And yet, Peter got out of the boat, and at some point, he let go. And those first few steps out there on the water, can I tell you what Peter was? Peter was convinced. He was convinced. Why? He had trusted God, and God did through him what only God could do. Can I tell you, you can let go this morning. You can let go of more of your time. You can let go of more of yourself. Why? Because in God's hands, it becomes so much more than you could ever do with it yourself by holding on to it. But you got to be willing to let go of it. Think about this this morning. The disciples left their nets. The Bible says straightway they left their nets, Matthew 4, and followed him. That means they had to let them go. Let them go. Oh, did God do more with them than they could ever do with their nets? Absolutely. But at some point they said, you know what? We're going to have to leave these behind and trust the one that we're following. And God used them beyond their imagination. And I wonder this morning, what does God want to do with you and I? What does God want to do with more of your time? You're like, wait a minute, God, I just don't have time. I've had kids and a family and a job and the gas prices and all this having to work overtime, and now, God, you want more of my time? Let it go. Let it go. Why? God can give and do more through what you give him than if you hold on to it to yourself. So what happens when we let go? When we let go, God convinces us. I read a story years ago about these Zulu tribesmen And the Zulu tribesmen in Africa, they go out and they catch the ring-tailed monkey and they sell it to American zoos. Uh, So if you've been to the zoo and they have a ring-tailed monkey, you have a Zulu tribesman to thank for that. And they go out and here's how they catch them. They're hard to catch. They're fast. They can climb trees. They can run faster than them. They're hard to catch. Here's what they do. They have these vines that run up through the trees and on those vines there grow melons. Those monkeys love the seeds that are down on the inside of the melon. So the tribesmen come up, and they have a knife, and they'll take their knife, and that melon, they'll cut a small hole about yay big in that melon. So when the monkey comes along the vine, he can stick his hand in, and that monkey can get those seeds out of the inside of that melon. The monkey sticks his hand in, but when he grabs a handful of those seeds to bring them out, he can't, because his fist is now clenched. And the monkey can't get them out of there. And so he will sit there for hours upon hours upon hours trying to get his hand out, but he can't get his hands out until he lets go of the seeds that are on the inside of the melon. So the Zulu tribesman comes along, and there's this monkey up there on the vine, and the monkey is stuck to the fruit, in essence. And the monkey wants to get free. The monkey wants to run away, but he can't do that because of what he's holding on to. Do you see where we're going? Now, folks, there's a lot of things we desire, much as the monkey desired freedom. The monkey desired to get away. But what's holding us back is what we're holding on to. Do you get it? God, I want you to use me. That's what I desire in my life. I want freedom and I want victory. Yes, God says you can have those. Let go of what's holding you back. Here's the sad truth. Oftentimes, we use the phrase this is that, is this and that and this and, and what's going on in my life, that's holding me back. Do you know that's not true? As a Christian, nothing can hold you back. Think about it. Nothing can hold you back. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Sin no longer has dominion over you. Nothing can hold you back. The truth is this morning, what holds us back is what we're holding on to. You think, man, it's just my job has a grip on me. Are you saying your job is more powerful than God? You say, well, you just don't understand. My schedule's so busy. Is your schedule more powerful than God? No, the problem is not your schedule holding on to you. It's you holding on to your schedule. And until we let go, we're not going to see God work, and we're not going to be convinced. Psalm 55, 22, jot this down. The Bible says, cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee and he shall sustain thee. Notice the casting came before the sustaining. God says you got to let go of it. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain thee. What does that mean? You do your part, God will do his. You let go, and then you can see God do what only God could do. Back in 1995, my dad resigned his church uh, to go build the camp that a lot of our kids have been to, a lot of our, our adults have been to, a lot of our kids were saved there. And I remember we went there, Dad resigned his church. We had a nice four-bedroom brick home. Dad left. And uh, when Dad left, that meant I was going too, you know. That we were going to let the preacher's son stay in the parsonage just because I wanted to stay. So we moved out there, and we moved to this 18-foot old, ugly camper. And we're living there on the property where the camp would one day be. I want to tell you something. You're talking about adjustment in our lifestyle. That was an adjustment in our lifestyle. We had a shower that was outside. Matter of fact, my dad just sent me a picture this week. He cut down the tree that that was on. We had a water hose running up in the tree, and it kind of came down on us, and we had this piece of metal wrapped around the tree. That was our shower. No kidding. It was an uplifting experience every time you got a shower. There was no hot water. People could probably hear us from miles around thinking, man, they are getting in the spirit down there as they build that camp. There was howling and weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth when we would get a shower. It was, it was rough. So we're all excited. We're going to go build this camp. All right, Dad, we're going to go. We're going to build this camp. And we get down there. And over the years, all of this debris and garbage and construction debris had been dumped on the camp property. We weren't starting with a clear field. We were starting with a mess that was there. Now, there's no support for the camp. Nobody was giving any money for the camp. God just called them to go. And so we went. They went, and I followed. It was more their obedience than mine, I assure you. I'll never forget, we're standing out by where the dining hall is now, there's nothing out there but stacks and stacks of garbage mounted up out there with a, we call it the grassketball court is at now, out there. And here comes this truck up the hill, pulling a trailer, and on the back of that trailer was a giant John Deere bulldozer. This gentleman said, I heard you folks were doing, and wondered if you might could use this. You you try to be all spiritual. Well, thank you. We appreciate thou coming down and letting us borrow this piece of equipment. No, it's like, wow. You know what God did? Watch, watch. God convinced. They had faith that God wanted them to go do that. They stepped out on faith to go to see God do it, and God supplied everything they needed to do the job. What happened? When we let go, God convinces Number one, at some point we have to let go in order to let God. So watch what happens. Number one, when we let go, God convinces us. But then number two, watch what God is also doing through this. The Bible says, verse number four, and the Lord said unto Moses, Put forth thine hand and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. Now watch verse five. Four words you need to see right here that they may believe notice God convinced Moses but God wasn't done yet and after God convinced Moses he says okay Moses now that you're convinced of what I want to do I want you to go and show the people the same thing you see we've got to be convinced before we go do the convincing that's why we're not very convincing why because we've yet to be convinced of ourselves because we've yet to let go of what God said trust me with but when we let go with it and we trust God with it God convinces us he says okay are you good are you good? Are you convinced? It's a lot like a, uh, a timeshare. You ever been to one of those? Yeah, come on. We've all been suckered into one of those at least some point in our life, despite what our wives told us going into it. And I'm like, we're just here for the free stuff. You know, you get all those free tickets to Disney World and all that. There were times we couldn't afford to go to Disney World, and so we went to a timeshare to get free tickets. We're sitting there, and we're listening to them. I have no desire to be convinced. I'm not buying one. If you knew how poor I was, you would not even let me in this room, man. I mean, if he knew, you know, he would even consider us. So we're sitting there, and he's getting, no kidding, he's getting into it, man, down in Orlando, Florida, Blue Green Resort. And all of a sudden, the guy jumps up on the table. The guy's telling the story about, man, your children are going to have this timeshare and Get away and rest and relax. And I'm like, yeah. I'm over to my wife. What do you think? She says, I told you on the way in here. i like, oh, that's right, that's right man, he was convinced, he was convinced, and he was convincing me, thank God for the Holy Spirit number two, my wife, who got me out of there, we still got the Disney tickets, I'm like, sucker, he didn't get me, he didn't know how close he was to getting me, thank God for my wife, you know, they have a neat way of pinching you under the table, you know, where it hurts, He was convincing and almost convinced me. Can I tell you? You'd be amazed at how convincing you would be if you were just convinced yourself. So watch this. Number one, you gotta let go and trust God. That way you can be convinced. And then God wants you to go and have an effect on others. This is number two. When we trust God and allow God to work through us, others are convinced also. Number two, when we let go, God confirms in others. When we let go, God confirms in others. Watch what he says in verse five. That they may believe that the Lord of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob hath appeared unto thee. You see, he says, once you get convinced, you go and you bear witness for somebody else. And when you bear witness for them, you can confirm it in their life as well. I'll give you an example. You know my story, I grew up in a Christian home, a Christian mom and dad, grandparents, great-grandparents, my great-grandmother was the last charter member of her church and pastor Gula, Mississippi. I can't tell you where it began. I don't know who the first one was. But somewhere along the line in the family of Jeremiah Andrews's lineage, somebody trusted God and was convinced. Somebody was. And when they saw it, their children saw them be convinced, it confirmed it in their heart. And then one by one by one, what does it say? Verse 5, that they may believe. I'm here today because, thank God, I have a lineage of people that were convinced. And when I saw God work through them, I said, you know what? This isn't a joke. This is beyond religion. This is a true relationship, walking and talking with God. Hey, I want a piece of that. And it was confirmed in my life as well. Can I tell you this morning, it's important you let God work through your life because your life is going to have an effect on others. Watch. Moses, throw it down. Moses, let it go. Moses says, okay, I'll let it go. And he let it go. God worked. Moses is now convinced. He said, now that you're convinced, you go and convince someone else. But it all goes back to Moses letting go. What if Moses had said, this is my only staff. You know, they're hard to find. We're in a recession right now. This is my only rod. You know, this is my favorite rod. I've killed a lot of snakes with this rod. Never thought it would become one, but I've killed a lot of snakes with this rod. I've used this for years. This is my rod. God, I can't let it go. Moses would have not been convinced, and therefore he would have not been convincing to confirm God's work in the lives of those that were there. Perfect examples in John four, not far from our theme verse this year. Remember when the woman of the well got saved? Do you know what happens when you get saved? Can we just put it down on the bottom shelf? You get convinced. You trust Christ and you get convinced. you know it's real. Look, if you've trusted Christ and he lives in your heart, you know it. You ask me how I know he lives. What does the song say? "I'm not going to sing it for you. You know, the the missionary the other night started singing. I always get jealous of preachers who sing behind the pulpit. Look, you better thank me for not singing behind the pulpit. But I don't have to sing it to know it's true. You ask me how I know he lives, he lives within my heart. You know it. You trusted Christ, and now you're convinced of it. Now that you're convinced you need to go convince somebody else. John chapter 4 verse 39. Listen, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman. She got convinced and it was confirmed in their heart. They saw this woman. They saw God's work in her life. And when they saw God work in her life, God's work in her heart, they said, "You know what? This is real. I want what she's got." Why did God tell Moses to do what he was doing? Verse five, that they may believe. You see, when we're convinced, we trust God, God works through our our giving to him and letting go to him, we get convinced why there's other people that need to believe. You need to be convinced of what God could do so that they can be convinced of what God can do, and yet we have a hard time selling what we don't truly believe in. I was listening to my, my wife was listening to a sermon this morning and she's getting dressed. She's more spiritual than I am. And she, I, you know, I'm listening to, I listen to rain while I study. I can't listen to words or I get off track. She listens to preaching in the morning when she's getting ready. She was listening to a message on soul winning, wonderful message on soul winning. If we truly believe that there is a literal heaven and a literal hell, and truly believe that people have an ever-living soul that's going to one or the other. If we truly believe, we're talking about the signs of the times, the Lord's coming back. Listen, I believe with all of my heart, what you're watching in Europe is bringing all this about. He's coming soon. But if we were convinced of that, wouldn't we go out and try to convince somebody else? So that shows, hey, we're not as convinced as we think we are because we're not as convincing as we should be. Folks, listen, we've got to let go. Why? So that God could confirm through us What he wants to do in others John chapter 12 Quickly we read about Lazarus Verse number 9 After Lazarus has been raised He's sitting there And the Bible says Much people of the Jews therefore Knew that he was there And they came not for Jesus sake only But they might see Lazarus also Whom he had raised from the dead Now hear me out Hear me out Here's Lazarus Could we agree this morning I know we're Baptists We don't agree on a whole lot could we agree this morning that God did a great work in Lazarus' life? Could we also agree that Lazarus was convinced of the great work that God had did in his life? I think so. I think so. But watch, when they saw what God did in Lazarus's life, they wanted to see what it was all about. They had to confirm it for themselves. We heard what you've done, but we need to see it for ourselves. Now, folks, can I tell you this morning, if you're saved, God's done a great work in your life. God's done a great work in your life. We should be convinced of what he wants to do, trust him to do more. Why? Because there's others that need to believe. Here's the sad truth. We fail to allow God to work in our lives. We're robbing others of the opportunity for him to work in theirs. You think about it. When we, listen, are hesitant to give God and let go of what God's calling us to let go, listen, it's not just money, folks. It's our life, our time, our resources. God says, let go of it. Trust me with it. When we refuse, say, nope, hold on to that. That's mine. You're not getting it. We're missing the opportunity for God to work in our lives and for others to behold it, that he might work in their lives. So when we let go, God confirms in others. Here's a good example, Romans ten fourteen. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him and who they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Do you know what this is? This is Romans 10:14, it's the gospel supply chain. We hear a lot today in the world about the global supply chain. You know, that's why you don't have any baked beans, and that's why you don't have Oreos and all this other stuff. I Went to a restaurant yesterday, and they didn't have any straws. I'm like, what do we do before straws? We, we took the lid off. You know, I see some of you trying to suck it through the little holes. Just pop the lid off and drink it like a human, amen? Don't, don't make us look bad. The global supply chain has been interrupted. There are some people that are not upholding their end of the supply chain for whatever it is, and it's messing everything up, isn't it? I mean, our life has been inconvenienced. We're not able to go about normal life because the supply chain is messed up. Romans ten fourteen. this is the gospel supply chain. Watch close. Here's people on the other end Who need to believe? How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And the Bible goes all down the line. Do you know what the pieces are that connect the dots from the answer to the need? Do you know what it is? It's people. It's people. God uses people. God says, I want you to be part of the gospel supply chain. I want the gospel to get to these people over there in Africa, okay? I'm not calling you to go to Africa, but I need you to let go of some of what you got and trust it to me to get it where it needs to go. But when we refuse to trust God, not only are we not convinced of what God could do because we didn't trust him, we're also breaking up the supply chain from someone else who needs to hear. The Bible says, how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? Missions, you know, you think about it. There's a lot of people around our world that are very skeptical. They're very skeptical of religion. They've heard it their whole life. Every culture, it doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter how far away from America you are. Every culture is skeptical. They have a religion of some sort, and it usually pans out just to be idol worship. It turns out to be man worship, a works-based redemption. And so there's a lot of people out there who are not sure about God. They're just not sure. And they need to know. They need to know. And it's our job to confirm it for them. He's real. He's real. And I want to introduce him to you. But wait a minute. If we're not convinced, and we don't see God work in our life because we don't trust him, how's it going to be confirmed in them? He said, Moses, I need you to see this. Why? Because there's something that they need to see. If you look down real quickly, look at the last three verses, or last two verses. The Bible says, and Aaron spake all the words which the Lord had spoken unto Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. The people believed, and when they had heard that the Lord visited the children of Israel and that he had looked upon their affliction, they, that they bowed their heads in worship. Notice the supply chain is going on. It went from God to Moses to Aaron. And now what are the people doing in verse 31? And the people believed. Can I ask you something? Where did it start? Where did it start? What is in thine hand? Give it to me. What's happening in verse 4 is a direct result of what's happening in verse number 31. Somebody trusted God. Somebody saw God work and was convinced. And because they're convinced, Aaron's convinced. Because Aaron's convinced now, the people are believing. So number two, when we let go, God confirms to others. So he convinces us and he confirms to others finally. This is my favorite verse in this passage. Look down to verse number 20. Let's go back up to it real quick. The Bible says, after all was said and done, finished up with God, and Moses took his wife and his sons, set them upon an ass, and he returned to the land of Egypt. Watch this. And Moses took the rod of God in his hand. And Moses took the rod of God in his hand. Now here's what's interesting God did all of this work for Moses God showed him what he could do with all that Here's the neat thing With what God gave, or Moses gave to God God wasn't done with it yet God says I'm going to continue To do things with that rod We read all throughout scripture God's work with this rod was not over It was going to continue This is why number three we need to learn to let go When we let go God continues his work God continues his work. Now think about this. Do you ever think that Moses thought in verse number 4, verse number 2, 3, and 4, when he threw that rod down, do you ever think he was going to get so much mileage out of that rod? It's just a stick, people. It's just a stick. It's just a rod, a worthless piece of wood. And yet that single act of obedience, when he trusted God with it, you ever think he, he thought about what God was going to do with that? You ever think he thought he was going to stand in front of that rock he was going to hit that rock where the water would flow out? That very same rod. God was going to continue his work, but it all began with him throwing it down and letting it go. I think we could definitely use the analogy that a little bit goes a long way when you trust God, Amen. The other day, I was popping some popcorn. Now, usually I use microwave popcorn just for the sake of time. My favorite popcorn is called Cousin Willie's. Uh, Corner Market has it. Buttery explosion, you need to try it. Go get some. Best popcorn you will ever eat out of a microwave bag. I promise. That Act One, Orville Redenbacher, he's a nice guy, but I promise you, his popcorn can't touch Cousin Willie's. I don't know who Cousin Willie is, but he makes really good popcorn. Most of the time, that's what I eat. Well, we were up in Montana. I bought some popcorn from some Amish people. And it was kind of black, and it was blue, and it was red, and it was white. All these, I thought that's going to be that. That might be neat, you know. And so I said I was going to pop some. Well, it's been a long time since my mom popped some up on the uh, in the on the stove, you know. So I thought let's put some oil in there and we'll just dump some popcorn in. So I take one of my wife's scoopers out. and I scoop out one cup of the kernels. Stop laughing. (laughs) I I didn't know what you know. Evidently. I have a four-quart pot. (laughs) I put it over in there, and just sitting in there. And I remember as a kid, I'm not sure why you do this. As a kid, mom would always kind of do this on the stove. I'm not sure why, but it helps, it helps. And so I'm sitting up there, and that first one goes. I'm like, I'm making popcorn. I'm doing it, I'm a real man. When the economy falls, I can make my own popcorn. I don't have to have Cousin Willies anymore. So. It starts popping and it's popping. And for my wife, you hear that? You hear that? Making popcorn. And it just kept popping and popping and popping. After a while, no kidding, I'm kind of pushing down the lid. My wife says, What are you doing? I'm making popcorn. <laughs> What's wrong? Nothing's wrong. Holding it, I'm not kidding. It's lifting the lid. Finally, I thought something bad's about to happen. I'm just gonna take some pressure off, lift it up just a hair, you know, keep it. Next thing, you know, I take the lid off. It's, there's popcorn on the floor, and it just kept popping. It was even popping in the bowl, I kid you not. It's popping in the bowl. I thought, you know what? Next time, we're gonna do a quarter of a cup, and maybe that'll fill it up, and that usually works about right. Had no idea how far that was gonna go. I you, bet you old Moses never had any idea how far that little bit of faith would go. Okay. I'm going to let go of it. i going to let go of it. I wonder when he stood before that rock, getting ready to hit that rock, if he looked at that stick and thought, hmm, never thought it would go this far. Never thought i I wonder when he stood in front of the Red Sea. This is my opinion, okay? The Bible doesn't say it. I think Moses was standing at the Red Sea with his rod. I wonder if he ever thought, man, never would have thought that first time God said, throw it on the ground that just trusting God that one time would continue now here's what what's your appetite today God wants all of us God wants of our time our resources ourself and we're like God I can't I can't and little do we know all that God's going to continue with his work if we could just let go let's let go more of our time this year Let's let go more of self this year. Let go more of our feelings this year. Let's let go more of our resources this year. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 gives you a little insight in how God works. It's kind of like the popcorn. Knowing to him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. What an encouragement today to know that on my best day, I am just plain, worthless, ordinary wooden stick that's what all of us are there's nothing good of any of us but in God's hands we can be so much more if we're willing to be placed in God's hands it's okay God I'm going to let it go I'm going to give it to you what you want see this and we're done look back at verse 20 watch this the last part And Moses took his rod in his hand. Nope. Moses took the rod of God in his hand. It wasn't his anymore. It was the rod of God. What did he say in verse 2? What is in thine hand? And he said, a rod. What does it say in verse 20? The rod of God. Can I tell you. Oh what a difference it makes. When it goes from. My rod. To the rod of God. That I'm going to let God have what I have. And use what I have. For his glory. God would take it and do great things. And this morning I believe God would do great things with us. In our, in our faith promise giving this year. In our time giving this year and our self giving this year but watch this god is not going to invade your will he's not going to hold you up god is standing there and he says this what is in thine hand what is in thine hand so well, it's not much doesn't matter it's not what you hold it's the one who holds it what is in thine hand so well, i've got a little bit of time i've got a little bit of resources And wait a minute, I see a little bit more of myself. God says, let it go. Let it go. And when we let it go, God shows us what he can do with what little we give him, and then we're convinced. My wife and I have been given to Faith Promise Missions since the first year we were married. It's amazing how God always shows himself mighty when we trust him. I'm convinced God can use my money, my time, myself better than I can. And I need to be convinced. Why? Because there's some people that need to believe. There's some people that are doubtful. Oh, Pharaoh's going to be skeptical. He's going to be doubtful. You show him what I showed you. And oh, it'll be confirmed that this is beyond you. And my work will continue. Our heads are bowed this morning, our eyes are closed. Let's stand together.